0: This is Coin Social Podcast and today we have a guest. His name is Bucks. Hello Bucks, how are you today?
1: Hi Kate, I'm fantastic and thank you so much for having me on here. It's an absolute privilege. I'm so glad to be here. Just talking to you, talking to people from other countries is just an absolutely amazing opportunity. Thank you for having me.
0: That's great, Uh, it's uh, really nice having you here today. Uh, So Bugs has a crypto page uh, on Instagram, it's called uh, The Crypto Cult, Uh, we will add the link in the description. Uh, When we were discussing the upcoming podcast, uh, Bugs told me that it is uh, one of several pages that he runs, uh, that his project is bigger than that. So, Baksh, can you please uh, introduce yourself and uh, tell a little, a little bit about your project? Uh, what is it about? Uh, what is its mission?
1: Absolutely, sure. I Who doesn't love talking about themselves, right? So, <laughs> yeah. hi, my name is Baksh, Baksh Purana. Um, I'm from India, I'm in Mumbai, and I'm a computer science student. But other than that, I have a few entrepreneurial ventures. Um, Sometime last year, I decided to start a podcast which went really well. The podcast was about mental health positivity and something that I was really passionate about at the time and at the time there was a huge social stigma in india about people facing mental health issues people who were unable to reach therapy etc so i managed to create a sort of small impact into the whole uh, mental health space in india i decided at one point that i need to take this much bigger which is when i started my first page on instagram which is called product cult which is about something called product management anyone in tech over here has definitely heard about product management after that, we decided we can take it even bigger. Product management became India's biggest uh, product management page. Uh, we got lots of amazing guests on, including like people with millionaire CEOs and people with thousands, tens of thousands of followers coming on our page and like sharing their insights with people. Then we decided to take this even bigger. We expanded our team. The team size had reached around 10 people, everybody owning their own cult. So we had finance cult, product cult, crypto cult, NFT cult, marketing cult, etc., and um it was it's going really well right now uh, right now on the call also two of my interns one of them is the head of product cult, one is the head of nft cult we're all building these communities um, we're, we're completely non-profit not driven by money we're just trying to get the word out there and help people and help ourselves in the process
0: well thank you it's really nice to hear that you, you had like small idea at the beginning and now you have like several pages and that is uh, it is all non-commercial so you uh do it just for your passion
1: absolutely it's completely passion driven it's just out of passion and out of love for the community that we that we do this every every time i find a new thing that i'm passionate about new thing that i find interesting i just create a page on it within three weeks we hit a few thousand followers and then we start a community on it
0: that's great Now, uh, please tell us about your way in crypto. Uh, When did you start? What was the reason? Actually, we ask every guest on our podcast about it because it's really interesting to hear different stories about how and why people enter the crypto world. So, what is your story?
1: Oh, thank you. So, um, Kate, have you heard of the word disestablishmentarianist? (laughs) The word disestablishmentarianist means someone who resents authority, Mm. someone who cannot stand someone who is has authority over them and i have been a disestablishmentarianist my whole life since i was in preschool i was always fighting with my teachers i was always getting into trouble all the time whenever i was in a group and there was a leader uh someone leading me i would always get into trouble i was always fighting with them and this whole spirit of this disestablishmentarianism just carried on with me throughout my life and then when i find something called crypto which has the potential mm-hmm. of taking away government i'm like okay um that, that suits me perfectly. Sounds like a thing for you. <laughs> so the, it, it suited my personality perfectly, especially someone. And and whenever I introduce myself to someone and, and like a few minutes into the conversation, I always tell them like, do governments really need to exist? <laughs> do, do, do banks really need to exist? And the first instinct of the person is like, yo, what's wrong with you? But uh, it's just my nature. It's like something that I've been doing all my life and finding crypto just helped me express myself or it was it was very like expressive for me to just find crypto and find my disestablishmentarianist nature. I hope that answers the question for you.
0: Yes. Uh, so are you more a trader or a hodler or a
1: bit of both? Okay. So this is a very fascinating question. Like um, I, my uh, teammate and I, Arjun, always get into arguments as to like, is trading just gambling? Is trading a scam? Can trading actually be done, especially with crypto markets that are so incredibly mm-hmm. volatile? I consider myself a hodler because personally I don't have the time for trading, but I would say that if you're investing in shitcoin, you'd probably not want to hodl, you'd probably want to trade that stuff out. It depends
0: on the coin, like something you want to hold, something you want to trade.
1: Absolutely. If you're investing in these nuts coin, then you probably don't want to keep that as your life savings.
0: Um, Okay, Uh, so when we were discussing our upcoming podcast, you mentioned that uh, the topic of your thesis is uh, decentralized autonomous organizations as a form of governance. It sounds quite complicated for an inexperienced person just like any thesis topic, I think. So a decentralized autonomous organization, correct me if I'm wrong, is based on open source code and doesn't have a typical management structure or board of directors. So how exactly these organizations can be a form of governance.
1: Okay, so Kate, are you happy with your government?
0: (laughs) Not really, actually.
1: (laughs) Neither am I, neither is anyone. Um, so there are so many problems with government, for example, corruption, inefficiency, uh, corruption is more of a third world problem, but there are so many problems that governments ha- just go through and mm-hmm. it's not possible to solve them unless the government is hard-coded. So what if you were to just hard-code a democracy or um, a meritocracy or any form of government, an autocracy into a code where every citizen has a certain voting power based on whatever it could be a democracy where every citizen has equal voting power or it could be a meritocracy where every citizen has a voting power based on how much money they own this sounds a lot like proof of stake if you could think Mm -hmm. about it um so creating a government where everyone has authority in the government will also create a sense of ownership in the government. There is a theory which states that like, if you have ownership, it's called Skin in the Game by Naseem Talib. If you have ownership in something, you're more likely to prefer it, you're more likely to like it, and you're more likely to put more efforts into it. So if um, people were a part of the government, if everybody was an equal shareholder of the government and the government was completely decentralized to prevent inefficiency and to prevent corruption, wouldn't the government function better? that's part of my thesis
0: well it actually sounds quite utopian i would say do you think it really could be uh, like a real thing it could be
1: uh,
0: in the real world someday
1: um i would say no i would say no so i i consider myself more of like a thinker than a more um, you know like something that can be done in real life but um the, the reason why this cannot happen is, and we've written this in our paper as well, is because governments would always oppose it, right? Why would government give their authority to the citizens? Mm-hmm. The only reason a government would give their authority to the citizens is if the government is so unstable that they're not able to hold themselves. Something similar to what happened in El Salvador, it's slightly different, but it's something similar to what happened in El Salvador. Um, so, yeah, like, it's not going to happen. It's completely utopian, but think about it. Imagine if you could have a government that was just hard-coded. Wouldn't that be like the best government that you could be in?
0: That would be perfect, I think. Let's now talk about blockchain. It can be used not only in the digital finance sector, but in many other different industries like healthcare, the food industry, and even in elections. So do you think the mass adoption of blockchain technology is possible? Or is it also some idealistic and utopian point of view?
1: Okay, Kate, let me ask you a question. How old are you? I'm 22.
0: Okay, so you weren't alive in
1: 1993. No. 1993 was the time of the, the the time that the internet was created.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Every single person who had an idea of the internet was getting funded at the time. And there were so many people. A, a majority of the people were of the opinion that the internet would not exist. The internet was just a phase. The internet is just a fad. And that's the kind of thing we're hearing about blockchain as well. Um, now when you look back in hindsight the internet was inevitable and that's what i believe is true with blockchain as well that blockchain is inevitable regardless of how much we criticize it regardless of how much we try to find flaws with it it's inevitable and it's going to take over every single industry whenever i have a friend who works in marketing who works in medicine i always tell him or her that you need to get into blockchain because blockchain is going to eat up every single industry i know i sound a bit polarizing but it's just my beliefs
0: yeah, I also agree with you. I think it will just take uh, some time before the mass adoption, but it will happen someday. But we'll, it has we to. Won't, we don't know when exactly.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So and lastly, uh, our usual question for our guests: um, What do you think about our platform, about Coin Social Story? Uh, do you think we should improve something or maybe add new features?
1: Okay, so I would like to discuss this in detail actually um first thing i really really loved was the user interface like i I have a product background so i know how tough it is to have a sexy user interface like you you've created but i wanted to ask you what exactly is your revenue model for this like are you are you doing a non-profit or do you have a revenue model for
0: it is non-completely non-commercial project
1: okay 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 then i think you're doing a really great job the only thing that was bothering me was like how how can you monetize this but uh like if you if you say it's completely you non-commercial don't. i think you're doing a stellar job
0: mm-hmm. i love your
1: instagram posts um i i can always give you tips on how to grow it to few thousand followers we can do that um, off chat as well off the podcast as well um I think you're doing an amazing job like uh, there's nothing you really need to improve I think you can just keep going as you're going and just don't stop you know just keep just keep going at it I, every idea you have you can just implement it because it's non non commercial
0: Great so uh, thank you very much for joining us today
1: It was a pleasure being here
0: We will add uh, the links to the box uh, pages below and uh, thank you for listening us today and goodbye